This morning we continue on with our series that is going through the Ten Commandments. Now, I, if you've been with us, I've been doing this in reverse order, right? We've been counting down. We started at commandment number 10 and we go backwards till we get to commandment number one. I'm switching it up a little bit today because if you've been tracking with that, then you would know that we really ought to be on the sixth commandment today. But I figured that on a Mother's Day, rather than preaching a sermon on murder, um, it, it felt more appropriate to preach on the commandment that has to do with honoring parents. So uh, we'll, we'll flip that order a little bit and we'll get to the sixth commandment next week. Uh, but today, today we're going to talk about parents, family, and what the Bible tells us about honoring parents and family and honor and authority in general as we see that and speak to that. So as we do that today, I'm, I'm going to be going ahead into a passage from Ephesians. Before we get to that, though, before I read that, let me set this one up a, just a little bit. All right, because Ephesians is one of those letters that Paul writes in the New Testament to the church in Ephesus, and and it roughly breaks in half. The first half of Ephesians, Paul talks about, well, just some general theological principle, right? He, He talks about the way that we have been saved by Christ. He talks about the way that we have faith in God and and that we are saved by by that faith, through the grace that God gives. That's where we find some of those passages early on in Ephesians that speak so strongly and so highly about the way that we've been saved. Paul says over and over again in those early parts of Ephesians, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. He says that multiple times. He establishes that as, as the principle, the groundwork, the foundation upon which our lives as disciples, as followers of Jesus, are built upon that. Then, in the second half of Ephesians, Paul goes on and he makes a number of applications. So, because you are people who have been saved by grace, through faith, right? because you are those people, here's how that life looks. Here's how that life applies in the lives that you live. So I could say it this way, that that he prescribes something of our status as children of God in the first part of Ephesians, and then he describes what that looks like in the second part. Prescription and description. I'll say a little bit more about that, because that's important to understand. You see, because in in the first part of Ephesians, just for example... He says in Ephesians 2, verse 10, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Prescription. God is prescribing that this is his will. This is how it will be for all people who follow God. That we are all created in Christ Jesus. We are all given good works to do which God has prepared in advance for us to do. And then in the second half of Ephesians is the description. Now, I'm I'm making this distinction here on purpose, because there is a difference between prescription and description. 
Prescription applies to all time, all cultures, all places, all people. Description is specific. A time, a place, a culture, a people. It applies that way. We're going to see that in the passage that I'm about to read. That there is description taking place there. Because while it talks about parents and children, you're also going to notice it talks about slaves and masters. Things that aren't a part of our world anymore, are not a part of our culture anymore, do not apply the same way anymore for us as it does for them. We're going to have to untangle that a little bit, and I'm going to bring this back up again because it's one of those issues of of biblical interpretation that, that we do all the time. Maybe we're not even aware of that. Anytime we read the Bible, we, we make those choices. You know, is God describing something that applies all the time for everyone? Or, or is this something about just a certain time, a certain place, a certain context, a certain people? Right? Examples that may make that clear. When Jesus gives the instruction that summarizes the law. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know what? That is a prescribed will of God for all people, all time, all places, all cultures. When Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and he says, Women, you should not braid your hair or wear jewelry made of gold or pearls. That's a description that fits a particular time and place and culture. Because, well, obviously, we, we don't follow those as something that would apply to everybody anymore. Right? Regularly, we see women with braided hair or wearing jewelry. Because those are examples where we find in the Bible a description that fits a particular context. We're going to have to tease that one out a little bit further as we get into this passage today, okay? So, jumping ahead then to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 where... Paul writes this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today trying to figure this out, this whole idea of what it means to honor our parents, what it means for us to honor those in authority. And and this, this idea then of what's prescribed for us in Scripture and what is described for us in Scripture. 
in ways that we see that. That prescribing then in this sense is then trying to find a principle for how we understand respect and authority. What does it mean that God has placed authority over us and how do we honor and respect that? But the description of that then applies to a local context into which that principle of honor and authority takes shape. So, trying to find the differences between that. Trying to tease that one out a little bit. So I have to admit that that when, when we look at a passage like this, we might go in a couple different directions, right? Well, okay, I know that families, parents, and children, those things are still a part of our culture today. Those things still apply to how we live today. In fact, they have, ever since God created the first people, there have been families with parents and children. That there is something there that still makes sense for us. But, as I've said, we, we don't live in a world anymore of slaves and masters. So the prescribing principle is still there, but the describing application is different. Now we've got a little bit of work to do. Uh, Do we just peel away whatever doesn't apply, and then we take a look at this passage and say, okay, so really all we're talking about here anymore is just parents and children, and that's it, right? That's the only thing that's left standing at the end. Or is there something more? You see, because here's what we've seen. In every one of these commandments that we've been through so far, all of them so far up to today have been what I've labeled as negative prohibitions, right? Those have been the thou shalt not commandments. And we've seen week after week that every single one of these, there's also been another side. A side with a positive affirmation that the commandment itself implies something more than what we see at the surface. Now today, today we're looking at a commandment that is not a negative prohibition. It's not a thou shalt not, right? This one is stated positively. Honor your parents, your father and your mother. But the question is still there. Is there more implied in this commandment than what we see in just those few words? We saw a little bit of that not that long ago when we looked at that Heidelberg Catechism question and answer. The part that said in the answer to that question that this commandment says that I honor, love, and be loyal to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. There's something more implied there about authority and what it means to honor those in authority. So now here's where we've got to do a little bit of work. How does that apply in our world? Paul gives a description of some context in which that takes place in his world, in his time, in his culture, you and I then do the work of saying, where does that land for us? How does that show up in our world, in our time, in our culture? What are some examples that we may think about in that? Well, several examples come to mind, right? If you're younger, if you're a student, you find examples of that in school, with teachers, with coaches, with instructors, with those who have those positions of authority. We no longer have an economy that's built on slaves and masters, but 
We have an economy that's built on a workplace in which we have people who are bosses, managers, supervisors, people in a place of authority. We no longer have a government that's based upon monarchy with kings and emperors, but we do have a government based upon elected officials, judges, police officers. So we do the work then of thinking through where do those authority places find a structure in the world that we live in now. Now then, now, here's where, here's where it gets tough. Because as I go through that in my own mind, as I was sort of uh, working through this passage and preparing on this message for this week, I caught myself. I caught myself in those moments of realizing, you know what? When it comes right down to it, I can be rather selective in identifying who it is that I see as an authority. And I can also then selectively omit those who I don't want to have authority because the authority they hold maybe doesn't fit my own desires. Now, now maybe this is more true or especially true for, for Americans because Americans in particular so highly value personal autonomy, right? Individualism, personal freedoms, liberty, that there's something built within us that, that presses back against authority when we don't like it. We don't want it. I'd rather not have that. So here's where some of the hard work comes in. Trying to find and identify some of those places where there is authority in my own life that sometimes, maybe, I don't always care for. But it's still there. So what does that look like in your life? Where, where is there authority that takes shape in your life around you? Where has there been authority that maybe in sometimes in some places said, you know what, I'd rather not be under that authority, so I'm going to find my own ways to delegitimize that authority. That I don't need to submit to that because I don't like it, because I don't agree with it, because I'd rather not have it. But that authority still exists. It's still there. We see examples of that in our world. And God still calls us to honor that authority, whatever that may be and however that may exist. So think about that. Maybe that's where we need to turn this conversation next. What does it mean to honor authority? How does that honor work? Well, it's in this passage, since Paul writes in the Greek language, the Greek word tameo is what is translated as honor, and it, it carries then the meaning of also respect or worthiness or to hold in high value. Right? So when we honor authority, it means that we hold a certain worthiness or value to that authority. If you were to look in the Old Testament, which is in the Hebrew language, so like in the Ten Commandments when it says honor your parents, the Hebrew word there is kavod, honor. Kavod in Hebrew means glory, glorify. Most often in the Old Testament, 
That's an attribute applied to God, right? But kavod in the Old Testament, honor, glory, also means heavy, weighty. Something that carries a tremendous amount of weight, substance, right? So this idea of honor, then, it carries substance, a substance of value, worthiness, respect, honor. What does it mean to do that with authority? How do we as people who follow God then carry out this honor for authority? Well, often I think we connect that with obedience. In fact, in this passage today, Paul says that, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We make that connections, and and I will say, all right, most of the time that's true. Most of the time. Because let me give you a ridiculously unimaginable scenario. If my father were to come to me and hand me a gun and instruct me to shoot him with it, I wouldn't do that. Because in that instance, the thing that would honor my father would be to disobey, to not do what he's telling me to do. That's an extreme example, but you know what? It comes closer to home for other people. Closer to home when maybe you live in a family where a parent has an addiction to alcohol or drugs. And there may be instances in which honoring our parents would call for disobedience to not doing what they want us to do. Another issue that that is, is tough, but is very real as as parents get older and age and perhaps reach that point of being no longer healthy enough to drive safely, how do we tell parents in that situation that maybe they shouldn't have car keys anymore? To honor them through that, which may not always line up with obeying what they want or desire. Some of those things come across in ways in which, all right, 99% of the time, obedience and honor go together. So uh, students that are here uh, don't go home today and say, Pastor said honoring and obeying are not the same thing. Um, Most of the time, the obedient thing is also the honorable thing. But what we recognize here is that, that honor goes a little bit further a little bit beyond simple, straight obedience, that there's a little bit more to it. And when we start to press a little bit further into that, we find something. We find that in this commandment that, you know what? Honor goes both ways. That this is a two-way street now. Now this commandment to honor parents is actually something that breaks wide open and it applies just as much to the parents as it does to the children. Because those who have authority are responsible to honor the authority that they hold. That there's a place and a call here for those who have that authority to act accordingly with that same honor, worthiness, value in those who are within our authority, under our authority. 
So we see in a commandment like this that, that this has just as much to do with the parents as it does with the children. It has just as much to do with the judge as it does with the one standing trial. It has just as much to do with the police officer as it does with the citizen who needs correction. That there is a call in here for that honor to go both ways. And here's where we see something of the qualifier that Paul puts in this, right? He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. That finding something that centers upon God gives us some direction for this. Because, because when Paul flips that, we see that in this passage today, when Paul says, fathers, don't exasperate your children, but instruct them in the Lord, the instruction of the Lord, he's applying that same principle, isn't he? That centrality of God that takes place within there. And he does the same thing when he goes on with that example where he says, Slaves, serve your masters as you serve Christ. And masters, remember that you are also one who is under Christ, just as those who are under you are under Christ. He brings all of that back to the centrality of God that takes place in our relationships of authority. We see that. We see that over and over again, that centrality of God that takes place there. So that when we see authority that's abused, that, that's a call then, a call for us to make God the center of authority again. But you know what? The same thing could be true of the way we see honor, that when honor is abused, it's a call to make God the center of honor again. And I think we've all seen examples of that. We've all seen examples of when authority and honor are abused, haven't we? We've all been in those places where perhaps one who has authority over us has not honored that authority. And so we don't feel the sense of value the sense of worth that comes with that person of authority that's supposed to be exercising in that way. Instead, we feel as though we are devalued, that we are not held according to the worth that we have. An abuse of that authority that leaves us in that place. And it can be true the other way as well, can't it? That for those of us who maybe hold a position of authority have had times or examples when, you know, what the, the people who are under us have not honored that place where we have authority over them. Maybe some of you know what that's like to have a student or an employee steal or lie or take advantage of the attempt that we make to care for those whom we lead over whom we have authority. We see examples in our world where these relationships of authority and honor are abused, are broken down. And that's where that leads us astray and casting that off, right? Saying, I want nothing to do with it then. I'll be selective in who I want to have authority or 
dismiss and having authority. But to return God to the center of that. Right? That's our call today. That's our place today where we see an example that shows for us how we might be able to find that honor and authority that God has and bring that back to the center of how we want that to look for us today. How does that take shape for us? What does that look like in our world as we do that? Well, consider a few things. First of all, you know what? I know that we can't change all of the world right here with us here today. If there are systems of honor and authority that are broken in our world, I don't know that the handful of us here can fix that. So, so, what can you do? Where can you go? How can you start? Where is there something we can take out of this today? Well, here's what I want us to do today. I want us to find two relationships of authority that you can push deeper into honor. That's our takeaway out of this for today. Two relationships of authority that I can take some steps and push a little deeper into honor. Now, I, I picked two on purpose here, right? For one of them, for one of them, I want you to think or find or identify someone who is in a place of authority over you. A teacher, a coach, a manager, a supervisor, someone in your workplace. Someone who's in that position of authority. And particularly, it might be helpful. You know, as, as I began this and said, all right, do we selectively omit people in authority? It might be good to actually go to someone on that list. Someone for whom I've pushed that authority away. Identify one of those. One of those places where, you know what, I can make an intentional effort this week to restore some honor, value, worthiness, to that relationship authority in some way. That's one. But also, as another one, find an example. Think of someone who looks up to you for leadership or guidance. Somewhere where maybe you are the one who holds the piece of authority. That there's someone now who's within your care. And find a place to bring some honor, deeper honor, into that relationship to care for, to show dignity to those who look up to us for leadership and for guidance. So while we may not be able to go out with those of us that are here and change all of the abuses of authority in our world, you can do something. You can start with what you've got. Start with the relationships that are in front of you. And just pick a couple. Pick a couple to say, you know what? I'm going to make an effort to center the authority of this relationship upon God. To find the worth and the value in that relationship upon God. Because it is God who finds that worth and value in us. So use the natural relationships that God has already given among us to find opportunities this week to elevate the value and the worth of others around us as God values them. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, and uh, we, we confess that there are times when on this issue of authority, we have tried to make our own rules 
and apply it in our own ways. Lord, we lament the times and places when that authority has been abused in our lives and it has wounded us. So Lord, we pray today. We pray today that you would return and build us up again to be your people, that we would see that the honor that you have given among these relationships is an honor that echoes the value and the worthiness that you have placed inside each one of us. Help us to treat those relationships in that way so that we may return again to being the people that you've called us to be. Build us up to do that. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.